This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit nicuconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are joined by uh, Kylie Bushrow and Erica MacArthur. Kylie, Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, tell us where you're coming from and what your areas of interest are and what what you've been studying as a mentored fellow for this agency. Yeah, um, so I'm Kylie. I'm a third-year fellow, a neonatology fellow at St. Louis Children's Hospital, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, most of my, uh, I have a few projects in fellowship that have been around um, tracheostomy placement uh, for babies with severe BPD and, um, you know, BPD care in the NICU. Um, and so through the Mentored Fellowship Award, I was able to look at, uh, you know, almost 900 babies with severe wow. BPD um, that received tracheostomies in the last five to six years, um, studying the social determinants of health and how those may impact timing to tracheostomy placement. Um, so just let's sink, let's let that sink yeah, in a, for a second. A, it is a fellow's dream, right? You, you said, have to start with a tiny project and then they let you into no, but the, think, if you you've know. studied anything related to BPD, yeah. you said 900 babies mm-hmm. in the span of five years. All who have received tracheostomy. Yes. It's, a, it's incredible. It's incre- severe BPD. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully they are severe if they have uh, undergone tracheostomy. But I mean, it's still Im- incredible that we're able to actually do that kind of research today, thanks to that collaborative. It and so, and no, but to your point, it's, it's not the coenal atresia. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, not the anatomy. It's e- even more so. It's just BPD. Yeah. It's incredible. And so, so what was the yeah. early, late? <laughs> What when, do we do? When should we time the... Can you give us... When should we book the OR, basically? <laughs> well, we found that the median age, postmenstrual age for tracheostomy oh. placement across all of the CHNC centers for all the babies was 48 weeks. Um, and discharge from the NICU is 58 weeks. There was a trend. So we used um, mom's zip code um, from the CHND mm-hmm. and correlated that with census, U.S. Census Bureau data. And so it was, you know, a general area. It wasn't, we didn't have access to addresses, so it's not more granular data. Um, we found, we did find a trend of later trach placement 
for lower socioeconomic groups. But when, you know, using an adjusted model for other factors, ultimately the social determinants of health did not um, significantly impact the timing. The That's center effect great to hear. was significant. Yeah, it's great to hear. So what do, you, what do you think are those, you know, challenges? You said there's some center differences. I think that um, there are def- there's so many factors that play into the timing for trig placement that it's hard to tease out all those intricacies. And so there's definitely more steps that we're going to take after to kind of investigate this a little further. You know, what is leading to those center differences and then potentially comparing, you know, we were just looking at babies that received trachs and comparing them against each other, but comparing with, you know, the other babies with severe BPD that did not receive trachs and seeing if we still see an effect. Mm-hmm. Very so, interesting. I think more to come. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. And tell us what you've been up to. Yeah. So I'm Erica coming from um, Emory. Um, I feel super lucky that I got this award with Kylie. Um, we were just really excited in our first year to hear about this. Um, it's kind of like what you guys were saying, like a fellow stream to get yeah. to um, get data from this database. Um, so I studied pulmonary vein stenosis um, in preterm infants. In fellowship, I was really um, interested in cardiopulmonary disease in mm-hmm. our preterm babies. Um, so the... Um, the database had 109 infants with pulmonary vein stenosis who also were less than 32 weeks with severe BPD. Um, and we found significant associations um, with SGA, um, neck, and ASD. And then there was a strong association with pulmonary hypertension and pulmonary vein stenosis, which I think is expected. But it was really exciting to get to look at all of these um, infants in this database because this is obviously a very rare disease, um, mm-hmm. but we're still investigating a lot about who's at risk and things like that. So that's it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's particularly interesting because it's kind of like an up and coming topic, right? That we, we, we're just starting to realize that this right. is a, this is how a it's deal. affecting yeah. babies yet. Yeah, not even something we were looking at before. Um, and now I, I think we'll become part of our management, especially for those complicated cases. So what does that mean that to be a mentored fellow? What does that, I mean, aside from ha- being able to leverage the, the CHND, um, what, what other aspects of, of that award uh, are you guys uh, leveraging? Yeah, I think something that, you know, so the CHNC, um, we use a lot at Emory and we, you know, Dr. Piazza has always told fellows that they're welcome to join focus groups and different things like that. But I think the thing that was, most helpful beyond getting to use the database was having mentors from across the country. So being a part of the cardiac and severe BPD focus groups, I got feedback on this project from centers all across the U.S. and have mentors from places all across the U.S. So I think that was really fantastic. And a bunch of people not only helped me with the initial ideas of the study, but actually like gave me feedback on my slides and helped with my mm-hmm. presentation. So I've had really great mentors. And I think that we as fellows hear about the CHNC and, you know, generally know what it is, but at least um, at our program, it's not many get involved. Or, it happens in the stratosphere. There's like, yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> and so this is a way that we both were invited to join the severe BPD focus group and attend the meetings and get to know, you know, meet uh, neonatologists all across the country, like Erica said. So I think that that was an amazing opportunity that I wouldn't have normally had. Um, and then what is that? Um, provide you in terms of 
being better researchers in terms of methodology. I think that's also something that we tend to leave uh, medical school residency. And unless you've actively pursued your interest in becoming a better researcher and, and learning about data science and stuff like that, it's, it's still very much something you have to learn on the fly. So are you getting any help when it comes to study design and methodology from the CHNC people? Yeah, I think when we are going through the process and having our, you know, monthly meetings or whatever end up being, um, hearing the different ideas from other neonatologists um, was great. You know, it was more ideas from just than just my two mentors at my institution and then working with a statistician um, closely over the last month or two has been a great learning experience for me, mm. at least. I don't know. That's something you find out as a, as a fellow that a statistician is the scarce, the scar- the, the, one of the of the commodities that is yeah. the hardest to come by. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm, in, this un- I'm in this yeah. university center with people learning statistics and yet there's no one anybody. that can help me with my study. <laughs> yeah. No, she was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I think you guys bring up such a, an important point, especially in you know, advocating for trainees to get involved in consortium and collaboratives and um, because it's that mentorship, you know, uh, gone are the days where, you know, really fellows are picking institutions primarily for, you know, a, a research mentor. I mean, that still happens sometimes, but um, being able to say, you know, this is something I'm interested. I want to study, um, but that the people doing that aren't at my institution. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this opens up a lot of opportunities for fellows everywhere to be able to, to work on things that interest them. How long is this uh, mentored fellowship for? I think so, like throughout <laughs> fellowship, essentially, because we found out about the award in our first, first year, year and we're now third years. Um, but our project is you know, we got our data. And so now we're working on the manuscript and I suspect that hopefully these mentorship relationships will continue. But yeah, I think that's the key too, right? I was hoping that somebody was going to mention that because I think you're building relationships that uh, maybe will morph into mentorship to collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if if the area that you're studying with the CHNC as a fellow is still something you're interested in past fellowship, then hopefully that continues. Yeah. I mean, we receive so much data that I think it's starting to spin off into more projects that are definitely going to surpass just my fellowship time. Is this affecting how you're going to choose your job after fellowship in terms of, because let's, I mean, realistically speaking. don't ask them on air. (laughs) No, what I'm, what I'm thinking of is, um, are you, are you looking at, at opportunities for a job that would involve continuing relationship with the CHNC? Would, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you go to a hospital that is, that is not aligned when it comes to that mindset, it, yeah. it, may, it may stop this, this prayer. That's why I'm asking. It's an interesting point. So I was looking for jobs, and as I'm still looking for jobs, I did meet with Dr. Piazza to ask him about yeah. w- what other sites in sure. our area were using the CHNC. Right. As a trainee, I didn't necessarily know that, and he helped me understand the ones that were getting onboarded and kind of where other places were in our area. So that is something that's a factor. I've definitely been asking about it. And I've had a few places that there sounds like there's, you know, multiple that are coming, joining in the next year or two. And I've had a few places talk about that and how they're excited about it. So very well. You see? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to put our trainees on the spot all the time. No one listens to this podcast anyway. So. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your fellowship and on any future endeavor. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the Apple Podcast website. 
You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the-incubator.org. You can also message the show on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at NICU Podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.